Hey guys. <gasps> Stan? <gasps> Remember me? No. Barely. Who's this guy? I have something important to tell you. What is it? I'm in Chicago. <gasps> okay. You didn't tell me. That's kind of rude, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in Chicago and I'm not going back to England this time. What? Is is that is that good? Is that good, right? That's good. Well, you know, the whole family came here, so it's it's, oh, okay, it's not good. one okay. of those. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, we moved back. Oh yes. I I knew this, but I'm pretending I didn't. Yeah, it's good it's good energy for the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Our year in Europe has come to a close and I'm I'm here. It was a wild month. You know, moving across continents, it takes a lot out of a person. It was hard to record the show during that time. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was hard to come on the show and tell you about all the pre-releases I won. <laughs> Those free packs. Stanislaw, this is this is like the best news ever. We don't have to worry about weird scheduling coordination. I get to see you. Yeah. Now we now we have to figure out a way to tell Doom he's he's his services are no longer needed. Oh wait, no 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 no. <laughs> that. Last last show. Doom oh, makes last show. Oh, oh sevens in the chat or whatever. I had a good run. I can't complain. Just kidding. Just kidding. It was a we, good year. We, what we realized this year is that we didn't need another stand, but we needed our first Doom. That's right. That's Dean's show. Yeah. You like that? So I'm back. Back on the show. Happy to be here. Good to see you all, especially Shane and Devin, because I don't think I've seen you guys in 2024. Yeah, I don't think so. Well, now we have to start this episode so we can keep talking. What episode? Hello and welcome to episode 262 of The Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast focused on the latest decks, trends, and strategies for the casual spike. My name is Stanislav here in Chicago, and with me on the line from Denver, Colorado, it's the one and only Shane Beeps. Hi, Shane. Stanislav, my friend, back in, how does it feel to, st- to say in Chicago once again? Well, I'm lying because I'm in Skokie, but... Yeah. <laughs> How's it feel to just to just be back helming the show? You know, Shane didn't deliver the episode numbers with quite the gusto that you do. I have to say, <laughs> yeah, it's not the same <laughs> conviction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Shane hasn't done any open mics or any time on the stage. He doesn't know stage left Whoa. and stage right. Yes, he's <laughs> well, acting like you know me. He hasn't tread the footboards, as they say. Shane doesn't know what it's like to bomb at an open mic because you tried to do crowd work with children. <laughs> he doesn't. He just doesn't know. It was a bad idea. Crowd work. I did it. I I did it. And you know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to introduce the godfather, Dave Harbarger. Yep. It's me. We're here. I've also never done an open mic. If, I don't know if people believe that or not, but the the number of open mics I've done in my life is zero. I feel like this is really good preparation for open mic, though. Like, we've done 262 open mics at this point. If that open mic happens to be just making up stuff about Magic the Gathering... I think I could, I could do okay. It's kind of like a closed mic, right? Yes. These are closed mics. We get retakes. Oh, good point. You know what I want to know? How many open mics has Devin O'Donnell, aka Doomwake, done? None. Zero. I feel like you, you feel like you do well. I mean, you're basically a performer most of the day. Would you call that an open mic? 
I guess maybe you would. You can't do retakes like we get. We don't. We can't say Tanner, Tanner, edit this re- retake when you're on stream. Well, I do that all the time. If I'm recording something for YouTube and I something messes up, I'll just be like, okay, take two. You know what I mean? So sure. now <laughs> yeah. it, it doesn't it doesn't translate that to the live feed, but mm-hmm. yeah. So it's already De- clipped Devin, and shipped and all that stuff. Yeah, Devin, did you do like any kind of performance growing up that led you to want to be a streamer, or was this just kind of? The love of magic, just random question, I guess. No, mostly just magic. I mean, I like I, I grew up. I, I uh, you probably don't even know this, but I went to culinary school. I, oh, I may I, I may have mentioned that. it before a couple times, but yeah, no, I was. Yeah, in, you definitely, I definitely remember that. I was in restaurants for like ten years before I moved to like a bank job, and then that got messed up with COVID, and uh, now we're here. But now it's mostly just love of magic. Mostly, also, also the the insane income. I'm sure that Twitch provides right. you. Hmm. Yeah, while while we were grinding our teeth in mise en scène, Doomwake was grinding his knives on mise en place. Is that a quote from the bear? (laughs) Only in my spec script. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I think they call that fanfic. Stan, I don't think it's a spec script. You know what? Mise en place, that's a joke for the culinary girlies. I get it. it. I know what it is. Oh. I mean, if, you, if you don't know what a mise en place is, <laughs> not to understand the the most like entry level level one culinary <laughs> phrase. <laughs> I don't know if everybody here knows what mise en place is. You know who I'm pretty sure who knows uh, what mise en place is? Heavy Play, because Randy at Heavy Play has developed a game, new card gaming brand that'll improve your gameplay and your game day. And you know what? I do think of the way that you function when you have all of your things snapping together with Heavy Play. It's very mise en place. Am I right? We it, call it. I mean, we, we can call it call it heavy plossy, right? Honestly, it re- it really is. You know, like I definitely. I'm sure everyone does. I have like very precise places. I want. I want my specific things to go. Speaking of places that specific things can go, De- Devin has a heavy play hat on his head. I told. I told you the hat was too small. He's not wearing one. It is on his well, head. Well, also, the, I have headphones on, so then I'll, you know we'll leave yeah, it there. That though. Is, it's fine. He, yeah, it's great. It makes you look like you're literally seven feet tall now. In the yeah, it's like, the, the, it's like those 10-gallon hats, you know? <laughs> yep, yep, it's great. So their playmats, deck boxes, and card sleeves feature enhanced ergonomics, mobility, and protection. You know them, you love them, you attach dice, you bundle decks, you carry your playmat. It's all the ABCs in a single hand for your mise en place. Coming soon to your LGS or shop now at heavyplay.com. I saw the Heavy Play folks. Uh, it was two folks in the company, not not uh, the El Presidente, Randy, in uh, at RC Denver. Sweet booth. They were actually sponsoring a bunch of stuff. They sponsored the stream. They had like post match interviews like set up, like in like they had this whole like sofa thing set up where like Tan and Grace was talking to folks, and they were super nice. Uh, people were really into the product. Like I, I sent you all a photograph of the garbage can. It's just filled with boxes. With, it was with heavy so, play cardboard. That's yeah. awesome. So many packages from like the play mats and stuff. They busted out the purple on site. It, it arrived like Saturday afternoon and I saw people like using the purple. The purple stuff is fly. It Ooh. is so nice. I am ordering uh, the deck box and the dice box for sure to go with my fresh new uh, boring gray mat. 
that I, I picked up as well. So perfect. All right. Well, if you want to get in there, yeah. If you want to buy it, Dave, I'm I'm, I'm talking. You're talking yeah. now. You're talking. Heavyplay.com. The code is the Dive Down 2024 for 10% off your first order. We got to start doing some heavy play giveaways just because we don't need more than one dice box per person. Like that's oh, the do. beauty of the heavy play technology is that like once you have the one play mat and the one dice box, like it's so modular. I want to create a Frankenstein's monster, like a a caterpillar. Uh, a cardboard centipede. Okay. We, we went Interesting. there. <laughs> yeah. From mise en place to human centipedes, Heavy Place got you covered. Okay. Stan, what do we think this episode is about this week? It's a jam-packed episode, <laughs> to be honest. Think? I think it is. Shane was on the floor of RC Denver. He's got a lot of data to report on, some experiences, some observations, and a ton of recap on who won, who did well, some emerging decks, and really the stories of the weekend. I think that's going to be the bulk of the episode. Can I tell you one of the pieces of data we have to look at that people were nice enough to put together for us has uh, percentages based off of 14,000 decks across 40 events. It's a lot of decks. Did you guys see that It was nice of them to do that for us. Yes. not Well, for the community, not for us specifically. But anyway. So we have Shane's recap corner, which is a big corner. It's an obtuse angle. Then Doom, Dave, and Stanislav, we we played some decks on the internet. We're going to talk about those. I mean, I would say Dave did a lot of the lot of the work for the recap corner as well. This is this is going to be a tag team. Yeah. I can't wait. Just making things up about magic. That's what mm-hmm. I think. That's what we do. We are a podcast. Is that what we do every week? Yes, <laughs> kind of. It's time to let people know. I'm entering my truth era. <laughs> Your radical truth era, My radical truth era, God. radical honesty. Get wait till I see you guys in in uh, in Chicago because I have some feelings to share with all of you. Um, the bottom line: Magic's in a little bit of a ruckus. Modern had a really wild weekend. Thank goodness. We're gonna talk How about fun. a lot of different stuff. Yeah. All right. Before all that, let's housekeep. Can I give some housekeeping right off the top? MagicCon Chicago is coming up imminently, and we have been talking for a long time about. Uh, doing an event on Saturday night. And I just wanted to mention, I have decided where the event is. I'm telling you all on air now. We're going to be going to a place called District Brewyards in the lovely West Loop, West Town Ooh. area. Ooh. It is a pay-as-you-go, like, self-serve uh, craft beer oh, joint. Perfect. Oh, perfect. Do they give you those, like, Little arcade cards. credit cards. They give do give you credit cards. They have board games. They also have a place called Lily's Q inside it, which is a great Chicago uh, barbecue place that you can order counter service from. And all of this means trying to keep things not complicated. It's a beautiful space, though. District brew, brew yards. And here's here's my ask of everybody here. Sometimes we ask people stuff off the top of the show. People who are interested in coming, I want you to a anybody who's interested remember thedivedown.com slash Chicago. We have a web page up on our site right now. It is not in the navigation because I don't want people to find it randomly, but we have what we in the industry call an event landing page <sighs> that I would love for you to go have a look at if you're willing. It is, uh, again, thedivedown.com slash Chicago. If you go there, you can see the times that we're proposing to be there, the uh, location of this place, and also there's a form there that you can fill out to let us know that you are interested in coming, which would be very helpful to us to know how many people are interested in coming. Please don't joke with us, with us on this. I have a capture set up, so no spammies, <laughs> please. But um, I will need your email and name so that we can try to make sure you're a real person 
from this. So please, uh, if you can't take a minute, just let us know that you're interested in coming again. District Brew Yards, Saturday, the 24th. We're thinking 8 to 11 p.m. Probably goes without saying, 21 and up. This is a bar. Yeah. We have some younger listeners. We have some younger patrons. I think all of our patrons are at least age 20, but we've got some college friends. And unfortunately, this event is is 21 and up. Yes. Yeah, I, I hung out with uh, a listener who was like two months away from drinking legality age uh, at uh, after Saturday at RC Denver. I will not out the, out their name, but it was very funny. I was like, "Oh, doxing! Oh, you you, you can't drink. What, what's life like for you? Yeah, <laughs> I know healthier. So sorry, it is twenty one up, Devin. And if for some reason you can't submit the form, please head over to twitch.tv slash aspiring spike and let him know the open. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, what we, we want do want Spike you to, to do come, is, so. yeah, we want you to try to get Everett to come. Yes. So if you could help apply a social little bit of ground uh, groundswell social media campaign, let's see if we can get him to come. I'll do my part tomorrow in his chat. Oh, appreciate it, Devin. Uh, again, thedivedown.com slash Chicago. The page is up. Info's up. Go check it out. Dave, always making sneaky websites when we're not looking. All right. So uh, housekeeping Patreon edition. We actually have no new patrons or increased tiers to mention this week. We do have some new reviews, including one from Direwolf916, who said that the Dive Down is the best magic podcast. Not necessarily true whether that's Magic the Gathering or Magic the Illusions. Prestidigitation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we'll take it. And then Sam Reich said that we're very nice guys who like a popular, a popular card games. <laughs> Which is true. You know, I have dabbled in Pokemon. Shane's dabbled in Flesh and Blood. I play Doom Poker. Wake. I got, I got Yu-Gi-Oh cards on my deck, desk right now. So that's Nice. Just, I was just going to say, Devin has the heart of the cards. David has One an time. ace up his sleeve. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I also would like to appreciate, uh, recognize Sam Reich for saying, not annoying enough that I can't fall asleep during it. As someone who listens to podcasts and falls asleep all the time, I know what that means. It's actually a nice thing that Sam is saying there. So thank you for the nice reviews. If you'd like to join our Patreon, you can do so over at patreon.com slash the dive down. A mere dollar per episode gets you into our discord. But the more you pay, the more you get. Get some swag. Have some fun. We'll love you forever. But maybe you can't support us on a weekly basis and you just want to get some swag one time for yourself. You can do that at the dive slash store. This one is in the navigation. You could just go to the divedown.com, find the store that way, get some dive down branded swag for your head or other parts of your body, most major organs. You can also support us while playing Magic Online with Mana Traders using promo code the dive down underscore three Y O. This one goes live or remains live through the end of February. If you aren't sure about what the current code is just check the show notes of the most recent episode and that'll always have the most recent mana traders code but if you're signing up for mana traders in february the promo code is the dive down underscore three y o house kept it's kept. okay 16 minutes into the episode we can start talking about magic we had things to cover this time i have no regrets this this time no regrets zero yeah i never do i have no regrets for any of the content we make dave all right own it love it but Dave, we have some modern upheaval this week, and I'm not talking about Thing in the Ice. Mm-hmm. Well, upheaval is actually legal, so you're talking about that card, right? I'm not talking about upheaval, legal and modern. But 
Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff. Like, you know, there was, uh, we have Denver to talk about. There we... were so many events this weekend. There was our, there were RCs in Denver, Ottawa, Canada, and Yokohama, Japan. Now, we're not going to talk about all of these specifically, but I, we, like I mentioned earlier, we do have data that came out today, Monday, today's Monday, that inc- is inclusive of all of those events, I think. I'm not sure if, if, if uh, Yokohama was in actually, because it's not listed on the tweet that the data came with, but uh, we have some notes about each one of them. But there is a lot of modern going on this weekend, and it was wild, yeah. y'all. It was mm-hmm. like, I don't know what happened. I will say, who knew that a four mana do nothing enchantment would cause so much upheaval in so many different formats? I will say, Devin did. <laughs> By the time we got done with our second spoiler app, Devin was kind of like, I think Leyline might actually be the best card in this set. I don't know if it's going to hold, but we'll, we'll see. For, certainly, it was the card of the weekend. Splinter Twin. Splinter Twin. It is very Splinter Twinny. And also, Shane was there. In, in was Denver, there. at least. Yeah. How I was it, was, Shane? It was good. It was good to be able to drive from my home and not have to stay in a hotel, all that good stuff. Um, the event was seemed like it was ran well. I mean, I was not playing in anything, but I didn't see anything that looked particularly concerning. But there was, you know, the usual vendors, uh, cosplayers, artists. The prize wall was actually seemed like it was reasonably priced, which I appreciate. Uh, I sold some high value cards to vendors for, you know. Basically, TCG low. I was happy with that. The you know saw some familiar faces. I missed some people, like you know the people I found out were there like after the fact. I'm like, why didn't I see Gabe Maxon? Like, where was Spider Space? I should have said hi. I didn't see him. But there were 1,331 players in this Denver RC, and Dave, like you were saying, this tournament kind of. I mean, this, this tournament was a consequence of things blowing up everywhere, but I feel like this was definitely impacted by the new, fresh face of the format. And tell me about this. Yeah, it was definitely Violent Outburst's fault. No, I mean, oh, Leyline lay of the Guild Pack's fault. New card, Violent Outburst. Uh, yeah, everyone's favorite new Nephilim. So let's talk about the meta. Nephilim are what? Are those are the multicolored things like that? Is the that four, Nephilim? four color cards from from Ravnica. Yeah. Okay. I don't remember those. I'm going to look up the Nephilim, the one that's not green. Right. Exactly. Not green. All right. So here's, here's the metagame share. We got a couple different numbers. Of course, uh, melee always has things that are not a hundred percent accurate. The numbers we got from DreamHack we think maybe are not as accurate as numbers we got from another player named I love Azorius or at Azorius I on Twitter. Yeah. They, they did some work because there were, 1300 decks to go through and fix and tag. And so, Shane, what did the meta actually look like? Teamer Rhinos, 19.8%. Oh, that's a lot. That's a lot. And and this is, and when Azorius I says Teamer Rhinos, they specifically mean Teamer Rhinos. So they went in because like DreamHack stated it was 21% of the field, but 1.2% of those or so were actually Azorius, uh, the four color um, Leyline Rhinos. There were uh, not actually a ton of Leyline Rhino players in Denver. I think it was something like 20, 24, no, 23. 23. 23 okay. was the actual count. Okay. Okay. So 23 Leyline Rhinos, because this was popping up around Friday afternoon. So I was like on site and I see a tweet from Jesse Robkin, who was in Denver, and she was like, hey, I'm looking for the following cards. And I was like, I have all of these. 
except for the ley line of the guild packs. And so uh, we actually came across each other. I was like, Jesse, what's up? And I was like, I have all those cards looking for. She's like, yeah, uh, people are trying to pivot to this Leyline Rhino four-color build because it seems like it's busted. Yeah, and it also came up from some prelims, either on Wednesday or Thursday on Moto, is where they, there started to be a little bit of conversation in the Discord about that as well, saying, oh, these people are going 4-0 with Leyline in Rhinos. Because going into this event, I think a lot of people thought that the, the deck that was really priced to move was Domain Zoo with, with Leyline in it. It was getting more popular, it was popping up in prelims and other stuff like that, and people were there was starting to be a lot more hype around that suddenly. And then all of a sudden, Thursday afternoon, like you said, Friday afternoon, we're talking about it in Rhinos, which, uh, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember the the exact first person who forrowed with it, but I think there were two or three different forrows on Thursday, and it was somebody who tweeted about it saying this deck is broken, uh, somebody who forrowed with it, and then I think, like you said, it just kind of blew up from there. So how do we want to talk about this? So I, I did a little write-up about what's going on in this deck. If you haven't seen it, I think you probably have seen it right now, but what, what the difference is between... I mean, essentially what we're talking about here is four-color rhinos, which is similar in principle in some ways to the four-color list that was popular, you know, last year or the year before that was really prompted by by leyline binding essentially becoming an option for a deck like Rhinos to run as removal if you need it. And so people were playing that deck at different points in time. Of course, there was like Yo Rhinos with like the Yorian build that also had white in it at different points in time. But what we're really talking about here is a package that essentially is for Leyline of the Guild Pact, for Leyline Binding, and for Scion of Draco, which also figure very prominently into Domain Zoo right now. And what's replaced between the four color Rhinos builds and the um, the traditional teamer ones, or the more traditional teamer ones, is main deck Tashana's Tidebinders kind of not there. Murktide Regions kind of not in those lists. And Flame of Amnor is not really in those lists anymore either. There's also a couple other very important cards that are missing, such as Dead Gone and mm. Lorwyn Revealed. Lorwyn Revealed. I, I saw you mention this later in the notes, and this is definitely not standard. Like the ones yeah. that were in Denver all had Lorian revealed. And then I did see some of the lists that you were looking at where they removed Lorian revealed. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like yeah. that's, that seems bonkers to me, yeah. but I didn't notice it in the ones that I was looking at either. Okay. Dead gone. I didn't notice if it was gone or not, but uh, if you say so, I will, I totally believe no, it's you, dead. but that, it's not that's gone. a bunch of, yeah, it's dead, <laughs> dead, not gone. Um, You know, and of course those are a lot of the sort of, utility cards being removed from the deck kind of it's like extra threats tempo card into shauna's tide binder flame of anor is your kind of like multi-purpose glue and then dead gone is a piece of cheap interaction you know some of that's being replaced by binding and then your cheap threat that's replacing the scion one thing i will say about them cutting dead gone is if you have leyline and you you don't really need the dead gun as much because if you open on lane line, any like you know fetch land shock land will just let you cast a turn one lane line binding. So you don't you have that one mana interaction if you're willing to mulligan to lane line. Yeah, yeah, and that was always true of four color rhinos. They are they're always cutting dead gun or frequently cutting dead gun for binding. Yeah, because it's just a better removal spell. And so I spent some time playing zoo. We can talk about that later. Um, but that's that's the story of what this deck is right now. It's and that was a it was certainly a big news story. Um, I don't know where we want to go from here in this in the overall story of the tournament, Shane. But what do you think? Well, we have the rest of the metagame to talk about. Okay, we just diverged immediately for, into Rhino talk, which I'm fine with. By the Stance way, back, baby. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, so yeah, that's that's the hype deck. It was only 1.2 percent of the room, um, so 24 people. Uh, not you know not blowing the doors off in terms of 
percentage being there. We will talk about win percentage of the deck overall later on. Um, be prepared. It's good. The rest of the tournament, Golgari Yogmoth, 12.2%. Amulet Titan, 9. Rakdos Scam, 6.9. Nice Living End, 5.6. Is it Murktide, 5.2. Domain Zoo, 4.3. Five Color Creativity, continuing to creep up back at 3.2. Green Tron, 3.1. Scales, 3. Four Color Omnith, 2.9. Hammer, 2.4. Azorius Control, 2.3. We'll have a little bit to talk about with that later. Burn at 2.2 and then other at 13.4. So everything below 2%. So even if you, my usual cutoff for other when I do these to save myself some time is three. So let's go and do, 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 do. So yeah, so other is about 25% and then 75%, let's say a 3% and above. So yeah, I think that's pretty standard for a tournament. It's a little bit top heavy with about 19.8% teamer rhinos, 21 or so if you add in the four color rhinos. So there is a lot of cascade going on. If you add in living in that puts it up to about 27% of the, the top of the meta running uh, Cascade spells. So yikes. Uh, anecdotally, and I was doing a little bit of Twitter reporting, when I was walking around the top row, the rows of tables, it was a lot of what I just said, which is perhaps unsurprising. I didn't see a lot of grief up there. Um, but I was seeing a lot of Living End, I was seeing a lot of Rhinos, I was seeing a ton of Yawgmoth, Titan. Uh, it's kind of just the same stuff over and over and over again. Uh, it made it, it felt like modern until you until we got deeper in the tournament. I think we saw a few things flow to the top. We'll talk about that in a second. And then of course, the presence of the four-color Rhino decks and the Domain Zoo being a little bit more interesting uh, this tournament, I think were kind of the biggest stories for sure. So... Thankfully, again, to Azorius Eye, we have some win rates. We have some conversion rates, uh, both of which I think are really interesting. And I think perhaps we let's start. I mean, it's so boring to read through the win rates, but I, I love doing it, especially because we're going to talk about collected win rates um, at the end of the multiple tournaments. So let's just get some highlights here. Yeah. Can we can we talk about plus 50 percent decks and sub? 50% oh, decks, yeah, I have them grouped it. below into those things. They're not in order, but here's the decks that were 50% 50, 50 or above. We have Yawgmoth at essentially 51%, Living End at 54.5%, Murktide, I wrote in all caps, at 51.7%. Oh man, it's like it won, the, it's like it won the RC. First time I saw Murktide. Uh, Domain Zoo, 52.8%. Creativity, 54.5%. Omnath, 50.3%. Titan, 50.1%. And then, of course, you know, smaller samples. We need to talk about two decks that stand out on the, the lower end, and that's Azorius Control at 53%. And Four Color Rhinos at 56.65% win rate, the highest win rates of any of the decks listed on Azorius Eyes table thoughts it's not bad 56.65 seems good yeah I, I would assume that a lot of those four color rhinos players probably opened on Leyland plus cyan a lot <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'll take it i mean i think the the things that are interesting about denver particularly like i said we i think we, we have like a 40 odd event multi event matrix to go over later i think it, the, the story of denver i think is hey creativity is 
pretty good in the meta right now and people who play creativity likely know what they're doing domain zoo is definitely no slouch i think being like nearly 53 percent for what is essentially like a, a creature just zoo like a swing in and attack and have stubborn denial is like your your counter spell is surprisingly good uh living end strong weekend it was a good weekend to be a living end gamer not only because of the rhino meta but we'll talk about sort of the things that it did strongly against the whole weekend and it was just overall a very solid choice for people so i mean between rhinos at 50 essentially uh, living end at 54.5 and then four color rhinos at like 56 plus percent i think we can say that the people need to be running maybe a few more chalice of the voids out there Maybe two tree to fairies. One thing that stands out to me, just you know, mentioning this about the Merc Dead win rate, is the only thing we had that we needed for to go from forty nine percent to fifty one percent was that one Scryland. It's the big difference. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, I saw this these samples that were like breaking the the Rhinos decks along like the axis of how many surveil lands they ran. Yeah, that was really interesting. I I cannot I feel very weird about the, the, basically it showed that people with zero or one scryland had like a five percent lower win rate than people with two or three scrylands. That just or shows their level of dedication lands. to magic. Yeah. They picked up the surveil lands. I I feel like it's probably closer to that than it is than it is these things making that big of a difference. I can't imagine they make a five percent difference win rate for a deck that would be shocking to be honest. No, they're, not, they surveil. Not they don't landing. shock you. Yeah, nailed it. So I, I played one league with a Rhino deck um, in preparation for this episode, and it was my first time playing with Surveil Lands in Modern. And Devin, you had made a comment either on the last episode or the one before that, where even just having that one Surveil Land almost feels like having an extra draw just because of the card filtering it provides. And I think that feels so true. And it almost makes that 5% jump make sense because Rhinos being this deck that just lives off the top of the library so often, being able to like even get one bad card out of the way just like gets you closer to that violent outburst or Charlotte's agent or gets you closer to like whatever the one piece of interaction you need to get out of a sticky situation. So maybe in a format that says Razor's Edge is modern where like every card matters so much, getting a bad card out of the way to draw a good card a turn sooner actually is the difference maker and that big of a jump in win percentage. Yeah, I played, I, I grabbed two off of uh, Spencer, who we talk a lot about on this, one of the the, the citizens of the Dive Down Nation. He was at uh, RC Denver as well. And he's thankfully, he was so nice to sell me the Thundering Falls and the other one uh, to Hedge maze. Thank you. Hedge maze. It's a slot into my deck. And I felt like they were definitely good. But I was telling you uh, this, Stan and Dave, I think, too, is that it's one more thing that made Rhinos feel even slightly more challenging to play because it adds yet another small decision. Like, I feel like Rhinos has actually gotten a little bit more challenging to play with the addition of things that make it better. Like Lorian revealed, like uh, Tidebinder, like the Surveil Lands and things like that, where you have to make more decisions about when you play things and how you sequence your lands and if you're going to get a tap land and you know do you want to stay open for interaction and things like that and that 
really um, it just added a little bit to the complexity for me where it's like, you know, do I surveil now? Do I need to save it for like a later surveil? And I think it's one of those things you have to learn how to play with again a little bit. Yeah. One thing for me, like when I noticed playing them, the most important thing they did for me was kind of, it almost feels like they increased the range of keepable hands. And, you know, as Rhinos players, I'm sure you've all been there where you, you see the two lander with, uh, you know, a two lander in the nuts, right? You have the cascade spell, the forest, whatever. And now with those surveil lands, you're so much more likely to hit that third land, which means you, like, if I see a hand with two fetches, I'm hundred percent keeping, I don't care what the rest of the cards are. So yeah, it just like, it feels like it increases the range of, of hands that you're keeping, which in turn makes the pitch spells better because every mulligan, the pitch spells get worse. Yeah, totally makes sense. Do we want to talk about gameplay of these decks right now or do you want to save it for after the meta eh, breakdown? Let's just let's save, save it a little it. bit. Let's yeah. just okay. save it. All right, so let's talk sub-50% decks then real quick. This is a list of decks that is starting to become more familiar, I think, unfortunately, in some ways. So Team of Rhinos was just below uh, 50%. However, when you're 19.8%, 20% of the field, you're going to start to get mirror matches. This is not controlled for mirrors, so you're going to start to have regress towards 50%, kind of regardless of how good the deck does sometimes when it gets that big. So there's probably a little bit of artificial weight on that number, downward pressure on that number. Uh, and then Scam, Scales, Tron, Burn, Hammer. That's your decks that did worse than 50%. They were all between 50 or 45 and 49% win rates. Um, and that's quickly becoming Tier 2 of Modern, I guess, or maybe even Tier 3, Look at that honestly, at this point. That's yeah, their Merfolk is on the list as 37%. 13 players brought it. That is tough. How does that... That doesn't make sense to me because the conversion rate of Merfolk was actually like 25% of the pilots, nearly 30% of the pilots. Maybe it was just top-heavy and everyone else just did terribly with it. Yeah, maybe there was like one or two people that did well and then, you know, the other six people just O2 dropped or something. Or yeah, 04 exactly. dropped, I guess. So, all right. So that's the overall win rates and then conversion rates, Shane, Shane, since you were talking about it, sure. you know, what do you, what do you think about the difference between conversion rate and win rate? Like, what do you think that this teaches us that win rate doesn't? Mm, I mean, I'm looking, I'm trying, I'm quickly comparing and it's not a direct relationship, but it's, I mean, I think like when you have smaller sample size, you have more noise, right? Or you have like, you can have bigger deltas between overall win rates and conversion rates. So like when you say something like, hey, 28% of Merfolk pilots converted, but it also had a 38% win rate, then you're like, okay, some people did quite well and other people did not. So I think when you look at larger sample sizes, then you can get closer to the truth as always when it comes to data, right? But I, so I think some of the more interesting things that we're, we can see is that Rhinos had a subpar, the teamer Rhinos had a subpar conversion rate in the low 20s, but then right on its heels, even though the win rate was not a huge delta, the conversion rate for our Yawgmoth pilots was for about 28% of Yawgmoth. Let's say the average here looks like it's about 23. So Yawgmoth was significantly over average in terms of a conversion as were Living End, where 35% of the pilots converted. That's the most of any deck by about mm, three to four percent because the next one below it is Azorius Control. Again, that's a much smaller sample size. So Living had a lot, lot of pilots and did quite well making it to day two. Following that, we had good performances out of decks like Is It Merktide, Domain Zoo, Five Color Creativity, even Mono Green Tron 
even though Monogreen Tron had like a 43% win rate, um, some of its top pilots, I did see people on the top tables playing Tron. So people who knew what they were doing or ran hot uh, made it to day two. And then a lot of, and then some of decks like for Hardened Scales, Four Color Omnath, Mono White Hammer, Burn, Azorius Hammer, you know, just didn't convert as well as a lot of the, the other decks we just talked about. So, I mean, I think that it's hard to, you can't make any definitive statement based on either win rate or conversion rate, but I think you can combine the two things to try to form a picture of like, hey, what was really doing well this weekend? What made sense to bring? And I think those are things like Azorius Control, things like Living End, things like Domain Zoo, um, things like Five Color Creativity, things like Yawgmoth. You had a better chance of, of, of spiking the tournament. It seems like one quick thing. I'm, I'm going to go out. Maybe this is a bit of a hot take, and, and maybe I'm going out of the soapbox here. But I wonder if so. If Rhinos and Yogmoth are the number one and number two played decks, and you have Rhinos below average on conversion rate and Yogmoth above average, do you think that the Yogmoth pilots figured out the Rhinos matchup? Because typically speaking, at least you know from our experience, I would have to imagine that Rhino, like we've always assumed that Rhinos is good against Yog. So I wonder if maybe they cracked the code. That is. Uh, an interesting thing because it's it did not crack the code, but I will give you a bit of a spoiler. And across 444 matches tracked by MTG decks this past weekend alone, it was 44% against Rhinos. So that is not as bad as I think it has been previously, right? Where I think a lot of Yogg pilots are kind of like, yeah, it's just a really tough matchup. I don't really want to face it down. And 44%, I think, is still within like the, okay, if I know what I'm doing, I probably am at about 50%. Do, do you think it's Yogg cracking the code or Yogg benefiting from the lack of fury? Yeah, I think it. we would have seen that previous weeks too, though, because Fury's been banned for two months or so now. And the last time, couple of times we talked about Modern, I feel like Yawgmoth is still shown on an event basis to have a worse matchup against Rhinos than it did this weekend for some reason. So it could just be variance too. Like, you know, even in 450 matches, there's still a 10% swing or so in the like statistical um you know understanding of that but also i mean bear in mind there's also more rhino players than ever before so i think as right. you know, as, as you get more newcomers to the deck like yeah, there's I'm, new challenges i'm guessing like many things okay like if rhinos is doing really well then more people are going to be playing rhinos including people who don't have a you know a deep deep like stand level knowledge of how to pilot the deck right i think that happens a lot less often with yogmoth just because of the way the deck plays the lack of overlap it has with other kinds of strategies not that rhinos has a boatload but at least you have all the cascade stuff in the fetch lands and you can play living end if you're so inclined but yeah i think like you know yogmoth i think is more of a enthusiast deck and i think that you're, I think you're getting at something there, Stan, right? Which is like, I'm guessing a lot of the top Yawgmoth play, players knew what they were doing. They had a really good game plan. They had they had a, if you come in with a plan, you're halfway there or maybe maybe a quarter of the way there. I, I will say, I saw Matt Nass had a one Tarmogoyf in his sideboard and uh, I don't know if y'all saw that. That's the but difference maker. Yeah, that one Tarmogoyf <laughs> just, I mean, he did say it was for the Rhinos matchup, so who knows? <laughs> yeah, I watched Matt Nass play uh, some games at the top tables while he was doing really well in the tournament. And yeah, it's something else to watch Matt Nass play a deck oh, that phenomenal. requires the, yeah, the, just the, the gameplay at hand and the thought processes, even as someone who like, you know, barely really knows what's going on in Yogmoth, It was, it was impressive to see. 
maneuvering ways to wins. Should we, uh, should we talk time? about the top eight in this tournament? Oh, yeah, please. I think so. All right, this tournament, the top eight was three Yawgmoth, two Rhinos, one Four Color, and one Teamer, one Omnath, one Living End, one Creativity. And the event was won by Teamer Rhinos. Woo. Min Nguyen. Heck yeah. Teamer Rhinos. Pretty no, stock list from, normal what I, from what I looked at it. Teamer Rhinos. Yeah. And every to me, every list in this top eight looked pretty stock when I was reviewing it for what it's worth. But congratulations to people who made the top eight of this, what might have been one of the largest invite-only Magic tournaments of all time. I believe it was similar to how DreamHack Atlanta was also one of the largest invite-only Magic tournaments of all time. Um, so, yeah, our Rhinos wins. Stan, I feel like this is this is just like a dream list of Teamer Rhinos. I don't know how much longer we'll be playing Teamer Rhinos, but uh, Min's list is uh, exactly how I draw it up, probably. Besides maybe one more land because of the Surveil lands, but Min certainly did just fine with 21 and a Mutavault. And four Lorwyn revealed. Yes, four, Stan, it's, it's uh, Lorwyn is the magic land. Lorien is the Lords of the Ring, Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. It's Lorien revealed, not Lorwyn revealed. Lorwyn sneak peek that, revealed. That's what I said, Lorwyn Lor, revealed. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's fine. It just Lorwyn. slides off the tongue. We'll go with it. All right, let's let's do move quickly through a couple of other events in isolation before we move on to this giant matrix that Shane has been looking at. Uh, this MTG Dex.net matrix now, is pretty interesting. Uh, <laughs> but here's what it is. I, I did pull the top eight from Ottawa, which I thought was interesting. So Ottawa's metagame of decks that were over 5% was it was a smaller tournament for sure uh it was about 500 people so it was teamer rhinos at 19.45 percent golgari yogmoth at 9.83 titan at 7.3 scam at 5.6 murktide at 5.4 and living end at 4.6 kind of similar there's less talk in here about the four color decks from what i from what i saw online however i'm sure that some people managed to pull that deck together in time to, to play this event the top eight for this one though was pretty wild to me uh, and actually there was a four color i forgot there was one four color rhinos in the top eight of this particular tournament but here's what we're talking five rhinos lists team of rhinos team of rhinos team of rhinos team of rhinos and one domain rhinos it's actually team or mid-range dave it's not though <laughs> if you look at the list they just yeah they did it to us they they meleeed us as i like to as i like to call it these days um yeah thanks for calling it mid-range and then you had one living end pilot and uh, two azorius prison pilots and this azorius prison list maybe we'll talk about it later it was very well performing it seemed like in multiple different tournaments it did okay uh, or azorius control did okay in uh denver it did pretty well in denver top aided twice in ottawa uh, and then this tournament was actually won by Ulysses Genyam Paradis on Living End. Living End. Yeah, I mean, you won look it. at a top eight of five Rhinos. I decks wonder and why. You're the Living End yeah. guy. Like, I mean, yeah. I guess you want to dodge the Azorius decks, but you can hope that the Rhinos decks beats up on Azorius, I guess. Aww. Yeah. Yeah. The Azorius list, I think, are worth people taking a look at. I'll just give you the top line of it. It's It's got, um, why am I still even forgetting your face? Narset. It's got Narset Days on doing yeah. in it. Yeah. So it's like, wow, where where is that coming out? And why is that applicable now? Like doing well suddenly or blue white control style decks doing well well suddenly. Maybe we'll have some words about it a little later on. Yeah, I mean, I think the answer is main deck chalice of the voids. Ah. Uh, and yes. counter spells. Yes. And to go along with that as well, Yokohama, I couldn't find a top eight earlier when I was putting these notes together. It's probably out there somewhere now, but Yokohama was also won by Living End. Whoa. So 
yeah. So we have Team of Rhinos, Living End, and Living End as the winners of the um, RCs this I weekend. have the link that's, right here if you want me to, that's want me to run it down real yeah, quick. Yeah, you want to do the top eight? Top yeah. eight, we have uh, one. So we got Rhinos, Living End, Esper Reanimator. That's kind of cool. Gorios Vengeance. Oh. Rhinos, Scam, Rhinos, Living End, Amulet. So that would be go. three Rhinos, Living End, Esper, Scam, two Living End, and an Amulet. Stan, Doom, are you, do you like the world that we're living in here? Just it's Cascades world, and we're enjoying it. Or are we just afraid of running into Living End now? I don't know, Devin. You go first. I mean, it, it kind of is what it is. I mean, as as a fellow Rhino aficionado, like I'll I'll keep playing the deck as long as they let me keep playing it. Um, yeah, I just got to add some more Living End sideboard cards. It, you know, it, there is quite a bit more, and I I do expect Living End to kind of increase in popular popularity a bit one thing that i i kind of will say i really want to try experimenting with the domain lists just because i haven't i haven't tried it too much yet and i really want to see how kind of scion and leyline change that dynamic a little bit it almost feels like it it makes it a little bit more more high variance which is you know for a rhino's mirror that's already qu- quite has quite a bit of variance involved in it you know if you if one person opens leyline scion it seems pretty hard to beat that so we'll have to see how that shakes out but i mean i don't mind it for the most part i mean you played that this weekend right stanislav i can't wait to hear what you have to say about it yeah rainbow rhinos it was it was definitely a a good league for me <laughs> what's odd is like i feel like rhinos and, and cascade decks in general are not that hard to hate out that's like, what it feels like right whenever you're so facing many, something down yeah there's so many hate cards like how many games have we lost of just like a chalice that we just could not find the piece that answers it. And I, 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 yeah, I don't know. It's odd to me that like, maybe we're not seeing more of that. And I wonder if it's because just a lot of people who would be playing other decks and trying to beat rhinos are just picking up rhinos right now. And it's just like deck is linear. It makes a lot of sense. It's, it's fun to play. Let's just stompy. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about this gigantic win rate matrix, because I think this is pretty revealing about the current state of modern. And it's when I mean, when I say current, I mean current. I mean, literally this past weekend. But this past weekend from mtgdex.net had 19,442 matches tracked. That's a lot. Many. So, I mean, that's like 40 events. They capture stuff from like small events on Magic Online to things like DreamHack Denver, the qualifiers, the U.S. regional championship, yeah, the regional championship at Denver, the regional championship face-to-face Ottawa, the Champions Cup final in Japan at Big Magic. There's the, you know, online challenges and prelims and things like that. So there's a lot of magic to digest here, 40 random events total, but so much data. And if you look at the performance, I'm going to go from po- I'm going to go popularity down this list. Most played decks this weekend talk about their win rates, and then I looked at their win mate win rate matrix and kind of tried to give one to two sentence summaries about what's going on with these decks right now. So Team of Rhinos was 51. percent It did pretty well against most popular things this weekend, besides, of course, Living End, but also did pretty poorly against Hammer Time, which kind of always surprises me, but I imagine the people who are playing Hammer Time still now are really good 
at the deck and probably have good game plans against rhinos. And, you know, you can't always just get there with one or two uh, force of vigors or something like that. But generally rhinos is still a very solid deck uh, across much of what you're going to see. Yawgmoth was 52% across all these events. Impressive across the board, honestly. Like its first truly dire matchup is all the way down at four color like rainbow rhinos. And that de- but that deck's only going to get more popular, so that's a little bit sketchy for our Yawgmoth pilots, perhaps. But right now I think you could do a lot worse than like playing Yawgmoth, I think, if you look at the chart. Titans 49, still not performing particularly well against the very top of the meta, besides against Yawgmoth. Scam at 48%. I'm honestly surprised Scam is still the fourth most played deck mm-hmm. across all these events this weekend. Like, it's really only doing pretty well against Titan and then slower decks like Green Tron and then Four Color Creativity, which it has a little bit of time to pick apart. Like, pretty broadly, not great against a lot of other stuff. Remember after Fury got banned and Scam won yeah. a big tournament in <laughs> yep. Europe and people were like, it lost we've it. been the wrong card. It's still, it's still overpowered. It, where That post was still up on Reddit like three days ago. Oh, the Reddit. Thursday before the RC, there was a whole thread on Reddit. Yeah, oh, Reddit is, tr- is totally true. But like, I, I thought it was wild. I was looking for any data over the weekend when I was starting to do research. And I was like, wow, people are still talking about Scam. And like the ball, the ball is not in that court anymore. Everybody, we are we are somewhere else right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think a lot of people maybe chose to play scam, or maybe the people that chose to play scam were maybe a little bit scared that there would be too much cascade hate, and maybe they just wanted like a deck that could give them some free wins. Because I mean, you still get the free wins off of grief plus plus not dead, and that happens sometimes. But yeah, it's it's definitely uh, it's definitely the, the matchups do, like you said, show that without fury, that a lot of these more creature based strategies are a lot worse against scam. I will say one thing. And that is, if there becomes a lot more Living End, Scam does have a positive matchup against Living End, which might be um, give it a little bit of space to get a, a little bit better overall. So I will also say, a bit of a spoiler, we'll, we will be talking about a different Rakdos deck that does have Grief in it that did well. So bear with me. Oh, okay. okay. So uh, Living End was 55% across all of these ma- uh, tournaments. Great weekend for Living End overall. It was at least 49% against the nine most popular decks until we get to Green Tron, where it was 43%. Uh, 65% against Team of Rhinos. That's not where you want to be, for Rhinos at least. So Living End did great, won a couple tournaments. Definitely Living End's time to shine. We'll see how long that can keep up because, you know, as we... As you did say, Stan, and you know we've 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 indicated is like it does feel like it's easy to hate out the cascade strategy, but maybe not easy enough. It was also fifty-seven percent against the four color, the domain rhinos as well. Mm-hmm. So it's good against either rhino. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if anything, living ends you know arguably easier to hate out than it is rhinos because it doesn't have as good of a backup plan as rhinos does. So interesting to see you know how much graveyard hate people are going to start packing in the coming weeks. And then you have to play the mirror match, which just seems miserable. Uh, I know. Uh, Caleb, who was in for the RC, played Living End, and I came across them playing a mirror match. And after the mirror match, he says to me, yeah, we drew. I was like, oh, good lord. That looks miserable. Okay, Murktide was up next in popularity. 48% overall. So if you want to play Jund, and you want, you know, but, but you also weirdly want to beat Titan, Scam, Burn, and Scales, here you go. Play this deck. Uh, Domain Zoo, 53. Another uh, pretty impressive weekend 
for Domain Zoo. Uh, it even had a 47% against Living End. Um, maybe the power of stubborn denial there. You mean it beat Living End? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, I'm saying that's or, impre- I'm saying that's impressive for a creature that, strategy. Yeah. To be 47. percent Yeah, that it's close to 50 50. I see. Yeah, yeah. 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 It only really looked bad against the four color Omnath decks in terms of the top part of the meta, but overall, Domain Zoo looking like a solid choice if you're into that strategy. And Lord knows I am. It's just, you know, it's nice to have like a true blue aggro deck in the format i mean it's multicolor stan curving out with cheap creatures that get increasingly stronger are you talking about merfolk right now (laughs) a true blue blue creature strategy it's good to be back good to be back y'all for what it's worth i'm I'm happy that i bought my scion of dracos and territorial kavu uh last week before all this happened. Did you oh, get your yeah. ley lines last week? You had to get those too. Nope, 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 <laughs> nope. Did I, not, Devin. I have one. I definitely was glad my ear was to the ground on Friday. Because I was just like, okay, let's find a seller with like 50,000 sales on TCG that had four. Because I don't have to deal with them like backing out. They're not going to bother doing it. And so, yeah, I've got I've got four on the way. But yeah, I agree, Stan. I, I, I'm all about just having like, you know, turn things sideways, have them be like five fives for two mana. I'm all for it. Stan, mm-hmm. you know what's fun? Tishana's Tidebinder can respond to the attack trigger of Territorial Kavu and turn it into a zero zero. Me Good to know. Yeah, that was sweet. That like, the, 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 the real problem was, is I had Grant, uh, they are a judge next to me, and I'm like, Grant, does this do what I want? Yes, it does, but not if they remove it <laughs> with it because you know it looks at all the state-based yeah. actions, state-based yeah. actions at the same time. So uh, yeah, they had of course tribal flames, so Ripperino. But it, it was cool to think. It was cool to realize I could do it. But keep that in mind, gamers. Hammers was fifty percent. Still looking pretty rough out there for Hammer Time, honestly, especially with the the popular decks in the meta. It has some not amazing. You know, there's just like enough not amazing stuff going on for it, and some pretty bad ones makes it feel pretty dicey to bring Hammer out. But I mean, if you can get to fifty percent, maybe you're good enough to to spike the tournament. Four color Omnath, fifty three percent. Solid weekend for Sir Omnath. Like it looks like a pretty solid pick across the meta game. Some really strong matchups against like is it Murktide, Domain Zoo, and Hammer. So yeah, I think. I mean, Omnath, it's never a deck I want to face down. It seems like it's 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 positioned well enough. Like, have you been facing down uh, Stanislav, Doom, Dave? Have you seen four-color Omnath and hated every second of your life? I haven't seen it a lot. What's that 8% though? Um, that's like sticking out like a sore thumb. Scroll up a little bit. <laughs> this, I got to see what 13 matches, is. it is Ma- Tron. Oh, Tron. that makes sense. Oh. Okay. Yeah, yes. that tracks. Eight percent. That might be the lowest entry on this entire spread. Uh, no, there's, entire a there's a seven. There's a seven. There, but... Oh, there's a seven. No, oh, there is. It's blue white control against creativity. <laughs> How could blue white control be seven percent wow. against creativity? That doesn't make any sense. Oof. No, I, yeah. I haven't been seeing a lot of bomb death. Thankfully. Yeah. I haven't been playing a lot of modern. It feels like it's lurking. Unfortunately. It's lurking beneath the surface. We're waiting to still be good. Um, speaking of things that are lurking beneath the surface and aren't good. Uh, sad to say, Green Tron is just, it's at 44%. It's probably time to put this deck down, y'all. Like, unless your LGS just loves four color Omnath decks and Living End, like, you're not going to do super well, I don't think, in any tournament. And then it's also 48% against Cascade, 47% against Yogmoth, 20% against Titan, and 30% against Evoke. That is bad. Bad news. 
that's a lot of decks. You know, as the kids would say, the best time to put down Tron was two months ago. The second best time to put down Tron is now. Yeah, I yep. mean, <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've hung up the Carns sadly for probably forever. I mean, there's, there's always something that can come back, but we'll see. We've got burn, burn at forty three. Yeah, burn at forty three percent. Four color creativity fifty two and. Interesting. What happened to creativity? It felt like it did really well in Denver, and then you look at this aggregate, and it's fifty-one percent, and yep. it's not great against against Teamer or Yogmoth yep. or Rakdos. It's just yep. pretty good against Titan. So, like, I don't know wh- what's going on here with creativity. I, I think it's like leaning hard on its performances against, like, overall against like Amulet, Hammer, Four Color Omnath, and Scales. I think that's kind of where it's trying to like bread its butter or whatever. I don't know what butter wow. it's bread. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I played against Creativity online and it was, I was like, oh no, this deck is, I mean, it's a continuation from last week and the last couple of modern, large modern tournaments, Creativity has been popping up, but I played against it on, on Zoo and I was like, oh, this is, this deck is back and look, their Archons just kill everything. Yeah, you, it's like the only way to get rid of a scion. The, so the the problem with creativity is like it's really really hard to resolve a four mana sorcery in modern right now. There's yeah. stubborn denials, spell pierces, fluster storms, force negations. There's so many things that are preventing that from happening. So, I mean, it it kind of makes sense. Like you said, it's preying on the non blue decks for sure. It does have a proactive game plan. It's good enough against those decks. But yeah, interesting. And uh, then our final sort of popular deck in the meta is scales it was 51 percent across all these tournaments strikes and gutters here as well it had like you know a horde like 15 16 percent against amulet titan so not great um you know it's strong against some things weaker against others that's not the kind of deck that i love bringing to tournaments personally one because it's hard in scales it's hard to play but two it's because you know you don't there's not you don't want to have to dodge that many mashups you know what i mean and so that's those are the win rates from decks like we know and maybe kind of love, and a pretty decent sample size to work from for a lot of these. And it's all very contemporary. Like I don't have to be like, oh, okay, this could have been from three months ago because this is just from this weekend. But then after that, there are some really interesting up and comers that I'm sure you all have noticed. First off is Azorius Control, like 56% across 361 matches. It did really well against the top decks besides Hammer where it was like 30%, but only across 10 matches. Like So the data we have here indicates that it was doing really well against the expected meta, but then falls off against the deeper field, which is honestly, you're probably fine being there, right? Like It was like 73% against Team of Rhinos. It was 72% against Living End. That's the, the glory of being able to run main deck hate, like Deferi 3, like potentially Chalice of the Void. You can sideboard really strongly against them as well. Uh, yeah, it's kind of miserable. Like, I saw LSV play against Azorius Control in round seven uh, of the main event. The matchup just looked miserable, as you would expect. Yeah, for what it's what, worth. What was Luis playing? Was Luis on Oh, he was, on he was on Yeah, he was on Rainbow Domain Rhinos. Rhinos. Yeah. So we're looking at uh, Gabriel Maxson's list from DreamHack Denver, the which is 10K, not... The 10K. Oh, it's just the 10K? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was Sunday's event. Sunday's event. Okay, thank you. Yeah, he went 6-0-2, top 16, and it's not... It doesn't have the Narset lock that we were talking about. It's more just a one-ring control list with two Chalice of the Void main. It's got Supreme Verdict. It's got Teferi 3, like we said. It's playing Leyline Binding, of course, and Prismatic Ending, and so it's just kind of like counterspells and removal dot deck, uh, but... Anything that can run Chalice of the Void and be able to exploit it main is probably in a pretty decent spot at the moment. And 
Bluette control can certainly fit that bill. Yeah, Bluette is such a weird one to me. Like you said, you're at 74, 75 against the Cascade decks. Then you're about a coin flipper less against Yawgmoth, Rakdos, and Titan. But then past that, I mean, yeah, you have, you know, the, the 80%, the 64% against Murktide and Domain. But then if you look past that, it's like, what, what else do we have? We have 38%, a lot 46 of Yeah, a lot of red after that. So, I mean, it seems like one of those decks where if you don't, if you, if you don't get those Cascade matchups, it can be pretty difficult. But, you know, I think uh, I, I want to say I, I remember I think it was Patrick Wu who posted his matchup thread. And I think he played against Rhino seven times in the event. And sure. Yeah. If you play with blue eye control, if you play against Rhino seven times. Yeah, you're you're probably going to top it. Yeah. Why can't more decks play at least one chalice main right now? What's stopping Murktide from doing that? There's a lot of one mana spells. Well, well they just do it for zero, zero though. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's yeah. That. yeah. There's that thing. Yeah. The I don't know. too much air. I mean, I, I, well, bobble, you know, I guess I don't know if that matters. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely a sideboard card, right? I and mean, that's the main thing I think is that like sideboard, a lot of people have some chalices, they have some EEs, they play them on zero. This deck just has the game one chance where it's like, okay, I drew one of my two chalices or, and I have a lot of ways to prevent you from killing me while I draw to them and get my pieces of hate. Like, you know, this deck has Teferi three, it has Supreme verdict. It has chalice of the void. And those are all tools that I don't really want to be facing down very much counter spells, you know, things like that force of negation. I will say this deck too. If you, if you look at it, I think one thing Stan that might help with chalice specifically is this deck also has no one drops. Right. So the only one drop that it has is in its sideboard, it's stern scolding. And so, yes, we're talking about playing it mostly as anti cascade tech at zero, but having access main deck to a card that you can also play against one drops. Like, for example, you can play it on one against Murktide if you, if you are game one against Murktide and then side it out. So it's not, it's not as much of a liability in this deck to have it because you can have it be effective against maybe one tick higher than maybe other decks are able to. Speaking of Chalice of the Void, I, I found this tweet from, I believe it was Jeff. I don't remember the exact name, but it was uh, at Rhythmic on Twitter. And they posted the most played cards from the event. And even as a sideboard card, well, I guess in Blue White Control's case, main deck card, but Chalice of the Void was the 11th most played card in the entire event. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that was the list where like Violent Outburst is like the fifth most played card or something like that yeah right? outburst like is in the, in the top, top 10. 10 outburst and charles yeah. were eight and nine so it's like eh. yeah yeah <laughs> surprise i just think back to the days of faithless looting is at phoenix <laughs> where we started seeing a lot of decks playing a main deck surgical and phoenix decks were doing it because it was a free spell free spell that was good against the mirror but it was just popping up everywhere and if we're looking at chalice or engineer explosives for that matter as these like free hate cards that can have some utility elsewhere. I just don't think we should wave off that as a possible way to experiment in this metagame. And maybe the reason we're not seeing more of that experimentation is because there isn't that much modern play actually happening this season. And we had this, the timing of this tournament was at a, at a period where just, unless you're practicing for something like this, you don't have as much incentive to play modern as other times of the year. Because it's not the RCQ format, you mean? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. And it's not on Arena. Yeah. All right. What's the what else? What else do we have? Yeah. Here? What else is on the up and comers list? Well, we talked about four color rhinos, right? And I think what did we say? Like a 56, 57% win rate in Denver? Well, get this, y'all. Across the whole weekend, it's at like 61, 62% across 320 
ish tracked matches and that the, and the error bars are still pretty impressive. Like, you know, you'd say, okay, well, could it be a 45% deck, but the error bars are between 55 and 66, meaning the lowest number, the data indicates that this deck sort of performed this weekend would still be a top tier modern deck. <laughs> it would still be wow. the top of this yes. list almost still it's at 56 percent so it's like not the deepest of data right but it did pretty dang well against the top 11 decks of the format it even wasn't that much of a dog to living end at like 43 percent. so some particularly eye-opening eye-popping numbers are things like 74 percent against team of rhinos 62 percent against yog 65 against amulet 73 against racto scam so like i don't know the, the early data from this at least is indicating that if you aren't playing specific tech cards main and maybe not enough against like in the sideboard like only things like four color creativity scales azorius control were doing noticeably well against it like i talked to lsv a little bit um excuse me between rounds you just, just casually dropped that yeah, one I, was just, I mean i was yeah, just like so yeah what's up you LSV? save that for minute Sixty-eight of this podcast. Well, I mean, you I, talked to I, LSD. I, mean, I knew that he was on the. I knew he was on the deck. What does he smell like? I knew he was on the deck. He, sm- Sm- he smelled like Denver. He smelled like a tell Denver about, local. Tell like us about Trulli. smell SV. Got it. Smell SV. Um, I mean, he's a he's a lovely man. And so we chit chat a little bit about the deck. And the thing that he mentioned that he liked about it, much like I think Four Color Rhino sort of has in general, is the the backup plan of Scion um, dodges so a lot of the hate. Right. So it's like, okay, I'm not, I don't have to just rely on my cascade. I can cast a, a turn to Scion. And with, especially with Leyline, it's really hard to get off the board. It's unkillable. So. You can't kill it. Yeah. You can abrade it. No, that's X proof. It, it has X proof, my friend. Cannot abrade it. You can pick your poison it. Yeah. That's what I think many people will be doing. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even realize one of the extra keywords was Hexproof. Yes. God. Vigilance. Lifelink. Inexplicably, it's not flying. Like, it, it has flying, fly. which it, is actually yeah. easy to forget. <laughs> I had people attack into me when I was playing Domain. They would be like, I'm going to do something tricky, and I'm going to attack with two guys, and you're not going to be able to block with your Scion. And I was like, block. And they're like, block. <laughs> yeah, block. It's got flying. It's got flying. Love it secret flying things that, th- that we were just talking about that card that looks like it should fly but it doesn't in that uh red deck and standard and then there's this that maybe it just looks like it doesn't fly but it does yeah i think like this this bodes well for this deck but you know i think we're gonna people are gonna have to try to start fighting this deck um and we'll see what happens they're gonna be picking their poison i think yeah that's kind of exactly what dave is saying i think a lot of reason this deck did so well is because people weren't necessarily like sure if it was actually going to be that good and maybe they were like yeah you know what's 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 a sign or two and then you know once people started playing against it it's like oh crap we need very specific cyber cards for this and you know i it's like if you play a rhinos matchup and your opponent has leyline scion and you just like play a rhinos on turn three that scion gets to hold back the entire rhino squadron while still attacking and you can't answer it it's like it holds off an entire rhinos an entire turn three cascade spell by itself it's crazy mm-hmm. yeah yeah it makes sense love it i know stan you'll be talking a little about your experiences later so let's keep moving on we've and here's the secret rakdos deck i was talking about okay you know i love a secret rakdos deck this is the one that lsv told them about <laughs> it's the one that well it's the one that we talked about last week 
This is like the Rakdos shadow list. And it was at 54%, only about 154 matches or so. But the early data here shows it's strong against the very top of the meta, but then dicey after that. But that's an okay place to be, potentially. Like the lists I found from the weekend appear to be really similar to Harlan Firer's deck that we talked about last week. And Harlan even and played Harlan played it twice at a 5K and in the RC. Yeah, he played well, if he's playing in a 5K, then he probably didn't do so well in the RC, right? I, I can confirm, did not do well in the RC with this deck. Or in the 5K, for what it's worth. But um, this other pilot named, uh, what is it, Clayton Strickland yep. did well. Went 6-0-1 in a 8-seat RCQ 5K on Sunday at DreamHack. Nice. So yeah, this is the deck that somehow gets by with running Stalactite Stalker. I talked to Dave Shields from uh, Jerry's podcast. I don't. I, I, I can't call it Jerry's podcast. I told Dave, I was like, Dave, it's it's the Jerry and Dave podcast. You're you're on it. I I appreciate your efforts. And he said, wait, that, wait, yeah, wait, wait. It's pronounced Jerry, <laughs> but it's spelled with a G. <laughs> G Jerry. So the Gary Guy Jerry. Yes. <laughs> So yeah, this is like we talked about. It's got, you know, red and black cards. It's a little bit lower to the ground. It has four grief and four not dead after all. And that's it in terms of that package. But it has, you know, removal. It has Thoughtseize. It has one drops. It has two drops. It has Inti. It has Dothy. It's it's a little bit more aggressive compared to maybe the the slower scam decks that are, you know, still playing stuff like Shieldred as, as a top end. So this is just trying to get in there. And apparently Stalactite's testing well enough that no one, they aren't cutting it. So it's it's getting there, I guess. If you want a weird wild cuddle, there you go. But yeah. And I and I do for the record. I'm definitely looking at this deck pretty hard because uh I also bought four of these last week last week. Is that Inti? Inti. Oh, the yeah. showcase one. Yeah, I, I want that card. What is the interaction between Stalker and Dothy Voidwalker? How so? Is, is is so does descend is it a one sided mechanic? Yeah, it's only your stuff. Yeah, I see. And Dothy only exiles opponent stuff? Yeah. So if opponent descends, stalactite gets nothing. I mean, it's still not right. ideal. Yeah. 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 Okay. It's not a. It's not a. There's. There's not. A, that's a non. It's a bit of a nonbo. They managed. They managed to avoid each other. Fortunately. You know, new card. I gotta ask someone. Oh, absolutely. Ask. I, I just checked. You saw me flipping between the two cards on screen here. So that's about it. Those are the cool decks. Um, I think like I think that Azorius control pilots are going to start coming out a little bit more strongly. The people who really want to play control are going to do so. I think Four Color Rhinos is going to pop off. I think it's it was all over the leagues as far as I could tell. And Rakdos Shadow might be a future enthusiast deck, so we'll see. But in terms of the new decks, the, the new builds of some old decks, Dave, I know that you played with the new Domain Leyline Zoo. You know, it's tough because I, I actually don't have a ton to say about this. I played it for a league, and I think that Stan summed it up. I think that we should kind of like maybe go sh- go back and forth a little bit here because we have to talk about like the cards that are shared between this deck mm-hmm. and the four color Rhino deck because it it is a new like powerful core in a sense. Like Cyan Draco is already a card that people like to play in certain decks occasionally. It's it's seen play occasionally and like you know it's already in Zoo. It's just Leyline made it better. It was being played in decks like Calibrated Blast and stuff like that. I, I, we, I think that people even tried it in Rhinos previously without Leyline at different points in time, right? Well, without yeah, Leyline of the Guild Pack, right? Without Leyline of Guild Pack, yes. When Leyline's Binding was printed, then there were four color decks for 
Draco and Binding. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a second, because we've hinted about it a couple of times. The Leyline plus Leyline plus Scion core for a deck in general, or like game plan package, I guess we should say, that is super legit, I think, right? Like we don't have any debate mm. with those 12 cards going into decks and doing uh, incredible things, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, the turn zero ley line the, and the turn two Draco is, is a lot. Yeah. The first and time you do it, it's like, for, yeah. It's like, what? You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a, it's an, a Sarah Angel with lifelink that you can't kill for two mana, you know? And um, hexproof is something that maybe people forgot about. Even Stan was saying, well, yeah, you know, you can't kill it. Yeah. Right. And it has vigilance, so it holds down opposing forces, and it has lifelink, so it puts you back into a game if you're playing against an aggressive deck. So there's lots of, like, that is a true thing. Um, I think that beyond that, like, Zoo is a super interesting deck because it um, gets, to, gets to play cheap counter, counter magic, but I don't think it's a very different deck other than just, like, turn, you know, turn creatures sideways and attack, be kind of tempo-ish, have a couple, like, make sure you're playing your spots. I mean, it's essentially a burn deck. Like, the deck, the matches that I won, I killed people with, I closed games out with Tribal Flame. You know, it was, like, Draco and Tribal Flame to go fast, and mm -hmm. then matches that I, that I lost was, like, they killed my creatures, you know, like, and I couldn't, I couldn't get out of it. Or I had a draw that was really heavy on Wild Nacatl, which, like, I don't care. Wild Nacatl sucks. It's a terrible card. Don't say that. You know what's really funny about this deck? Because I actually, I, I didn't even write this down, but I did play a little bit with the Domain Zoo deck, not the Rhinos deck. But one thing that I noticed about Leyline, and maybe you guys can attest to this, it is kind of like night and day when you just never have to fetch. Right. And a lot yes. of times with the zoo deck, because you have to fetch shock for a one drop, fetch shock for the Kava one, too, you're you're typically starting games at, you know, somewhere between 16 and 14 life. And that yeah. like six life buffer is massive in so many different matchups. Yeah. And it's it's actually super scripted in the build that I was playing because there's only one triome in that deck. So you're you're going turn one. Uh, Savai Triome, whatever the, Mar the like the Mardu Triome, and then Breeding Pool is what you're doing like almost every game, which is kind of awkward because you can't turn one Nakatl then because you're often getting a fetched, uh, a tapped Triome so that you can go turn to Kavu. And Kavu, you know, I, I will say playing this league did sort of renew my love for Territorial Kavu. Like that is just a solid card, five, five mana, two, two, or two mana. Two mana five five is like amazing. The fact that it does the little things that it does and lets you kind of loot or rummage or whatever it is is kind of a nice thing. But um, you do sort of tweak the play early play pattern so that you can play that card, and you have awkward moments quite frequently where like, well, I have Ragavan and Territorial Kavu. Am I just going to play a four four on turn two, or like what am I going to do in this particular situation? So there is some awkward sequencing stuff that happens depending on how aggressive you want to be. You can turn to Kavu with Xander's Lounge and Temple Garden while also being open for uh, a turn one Wild Nacatl. Is, is there another reason you're not playing those two cards instead of Savai Trial? Well, you could just go pool? turn one Breeding Pool Nacatl, right, and then get the Trial on turn two with Savai. Could do it either way. You can, right. but then you can't play a Kavu on turn two. Right. If you do that. Yeah. But you just pick the sequence based on what your opening hand looks like. Right. Yes. I'm just saying there is enough backup option like what you're talking about, Stan, in the deck. There's one triome in the build in the builds that I saw. 
and it doesn't it doesn't have a backup plan. It's like either you're doing it or you're not going to have domain on turn two. This is why you just need Leyland in every opening hand. Yes, yeah. yes. Now I did have you know sort of the normal stuff here. First off, I think I had bad matchups for this deck. I played against Adnaws and Dredge, which were two Ooh. two of my losses. Which is like I don't even know what's going on yeah. with these. And then I beat, I believe I beat Burn and Spike Blade, and I lost to Yogmoth as well. And Yogmoth just destroyed me with creature removal, essentially. And then they were able to fetch up answers to Leyline, essentially, so then they could kill Scion. And so I beat, you know, the Spike Blade deck, by the way, I thought was pretty fun. The um, Cryptic Coat kind of whole thing, that was pretty cool to, to play against, but I did end up winning that one. Um, you know, I think that it's interesting also that it gets rid of some of the cards that I would feel like are sort of like the less good cards in the deck, like bringing in the Leyline package, because that's all you have to do is bring in four Leylines, Leyline of the Guild Pact. Um, you know, you lose Reprieve, you lose Dromoka's Command, you lose some like of these kind of like utility cards that the deck was playing anyway, which I, I don't think you're so much worse for the wear for getting rid of those cards. I believe that the list that I was playing was like, Basically, down two Reprieve at Dromoka's Command, it was playing three Lightning Bolts instead of four Lightning Bolts, and that's how we're playing Leyline the Guild Pact in this, which which makes sense. But I can tell you, in this deck, I truly hated drawing Leyline off the top is the worst feeling in this deck, because you cannot do anything else with it. You can't. There's nothing else you can do with it other than rummage it to a Kavu. And so you really... Like, I had a game... one Like, the first game I played with this, I went turn one Leyline into Scion, and I was like, wow, this is great. And then I think that my turn three draw and turn four draw were both additional Leylines. So I was just like, okay, cool. So I've got three Leylines sitting here, nothing to do with any of them, and it just is what it is. But, um, you know, I, I'm open to playing more with this deck just because I do like Ragavan decks, but it didn't feel to me on this particular play through, like, this is something I'm super gravitating towards. And it kind of made sense why... Leyline ended up in a couple of decks that had other things to do with the card, even if those things are as meager as being toss fodder for pitch elementals and force indication, essentially. So that's like my small capsule review of Domain Zoo. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I felt the same way with Rainbow Rhinos. Like, the package is good. Leyline Binding, probably still the best removal spell in modern especially because of how easy it is to get it online with or without the uh, Leyline of the Guild Pact. Mm -hmm. Having Draco on turn two, it it, it was nice before, but the fact that now it's actually just also has all the keywords and is apparently indestructible, something that I didn't notice and never came back. Not indestructible. (laughs) Whatever. Um, Just was never relevant in my league. I guess that... Are you That's sure that was never relevant in your league? <laughs> or did you just not realize it. it was relevant in your league? Yeah, <laughs> you're like sitting there killing people and you're like, why aren't they killing yeah, me? They, why aren't they killing this? Did you have a terminate? Just shatter it. Just your terminate. What's going on here? So, I, I should mention, I almost had a flawless league. I almost I went 5-0-10-0. Uh, two reasons why I didn't get the 10-0 was because one of my opponents rage quit after game one. And I also lost a match to Amulet Titan that was just like teched out against me like crazy they were playing storm's wraths to like wipe the board um but regardless i was playing a weird version i guess like i did not have lorian revealed and i didn't pick the deck totally arbitrarily i found one that did well in i think one of the challenges so maybe it was just a pilot 
was experimenting and did well. And maybe that sort of speaks to the power of the new package. Because I actually did feel like I missed Lorien Revealed. And it made it a lot harder for me to get to three and four mana, especially. Granted, having Leyline plus Scion, you don't need to get to four mana. Right. Those two cards are very good. But I had one match, probably against the Titan match, where they removed the ley line, and that did feel like a little bit of a setback. And of course, as as you pointed out, Dave, with Zoo, like drawing the ley line and not having a way to cast it, like is super annoying. And yes, Rhinos has the backup of pitching it to force negation or subtlety, but that doesn't always come up. No, no. The life gain was awesome. Like the life, li- the lifelink of Scion, of course, but the fact that just having the turn one ley line and not having to crack fetches was really important because you can hold back your fetches if you kept a two lander and to what Devin pointed out earlier, like maybe you fetch one car to just surveil away a non land. If you need to get to, to three mana, like that felt really cool. Playing four color also opens up your sideboard. I think that's, that's noteworthy as well. Like I love having access to Teferi against the teamer mirrors. I love having access to Teferi against uh, living end and theoretically it's good against Azori's control if you're paired against them. The list that you copied, Stan, did it happen to have any copies of Draineth Magistrate in the sideboard? Because I have seen people do that before as the cascade, like you just cut your rhinos and cascade into Draineth against Living End. It did not. So mm. another option that you could explore with four color too. Yeah. My zoo list had it in the sideboard for what it was worth. It was the, interesting. The other thing that I wanted to mention too about the, the four color rhinos deck is the list that won, there was a 10 K at the dream hack on, I think it was Sunday or something. And the list that won that was rainbow rhinos, but they had four territorial Kavu in the sideboard. So Whoa. if everybody is loading <laughs> up on chalices, nicer. you just swap the footfalls for Kavus and you say, nice chalice. Here's a five, five. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, we we have seen those Cascade Zoo lists before, remember, where it was just like, oh, we're just going to, we're going to Charlotte's agent into Territorial Kavu or Ragavan, yep. you know, that's I cool. Think if, yeah, I, I mean, I think if I'm being honest with myself, like, I, I did really well in this league, oddly effortlessly, and I don't think I gave the deck enough credit in in that outcome, because I was just like, what is, what is this ley line really doing for me here, as I was just like... Two owing opponents left and right. Yeah, and there's <laughs> oh, yeah, another turn little... two Draco. That doesn't seem that good. Seems there fine. Must, it does it a lot. There must be a little correlation. <clears throat> Why don't they just kill my scion behind the? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's got first strike. Like it just always wins combat. This is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I. I do. I will say like. The package is really strong. I think it's going to be a really important package to to look out for in modern and like pick your poison or other cards are going to have to find a way to like either interact or get around it. And maybe it's because the specific version I was playing was missing Lorien revealed that this feeling I'm going to refer to felt extra heightened, but it still just felt like the deck was untuned. It felt like the one I was playing somehow just like found this really powerful package of 12, uh, I don't know, rainbow cards, plus your powerful package of 10 Cascade cards, because you also had two Ardent Plea. And then everything around that didn't make perfect, elegant sense. Like, you still had some Force Negations, but you didn't have any Tide Binders, you didn't have any Dead Gone, you didn't have any Merc Ties or other cards that I was just so used to playing that if this deck lives on, I don't think the version that we saw this weekend is necessarily going to be the final version. And that's probably going to be even scarier, if, if we're also being honest. Like, just because if Leyline plus Scion is 
splinter twin and we find a way to make it even like sharper and more efficient you know maybe ley line is is the real problem honestly now that we're having this conversation i kind of want to try ley line plus scion in living end right where they load up on a bunch of graveyard heat you just have a turn two and kill mm-hmm. before four like seems pretty good the juke surprise yeah do it do it, Devin. I dare you. My my spired river winders have hexproof now, or whatever that card is. Oh, striped striped river, river winders. Winder. Yeah. So there is a weird interaction between Leyline and Blood Moon. Yeah, timestamps, right? Yeah. Yes. Whichever comes down. Well, last except for basics, is the right? One, the one that supersedes, except for basics. I I did get into this like kind of awkward situation though, where I'm against Amulet. I have Magus of the Moon in hand. I'm fetching basics. I did have the turn zero ley line and maybe I'm just citing it incorrectly. Like maybe you're not supposed to keep ley lines and Dracos and, and blood moons. It felt weird taking them out because like having either angle seems pretty important, but I think that's just something to keep in mind. Like if, if you're fetching basics and then you draw a late ley line, it's just pitch fodder. If you can find something to pitch with. Yeah, which especially yeah. post-board, you have a lot more of the pitch cards because you want to bring in a force of vigor, you have the subtlety, so on and so forth. So Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I don't know. Deck, deck was good. I feel bad. I sold my Scions last year to someone who was building Zoo. And Same. Even oh, though no. I, I got it, I got them cheap and I, I, I sold them in the black. Not as much not as much dollar reduce as I could have made if I held on to them. But who's playing modern these days in this economy? True. Outside of Denver <laughs> That's a good and Ottawa and in Yokohama. Part of Japan. Outside yeah. of the yeah. past hour and a half that we spent talking about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Outside of the uh, 19,000 matches that occurred in Modern this weekend. Yeah, much. just one weekend, though. What's a weekend between friends? Devin, I don't think we should take a break or anything. So you have a Modern deck here on your list I do. that you were interested in. I think after that, maybe we could talk uh, talk a little bit about both the decks that you have there, and then maybe we could talk about where we want to go next. But we could we could even skip well, standard at this point. But I, I, do, I do really want to just touch on this Modern deck. So um, I've I posted a whole bunch of deck lists with uh, various formats with MKM cards, and this was kind of one that sort of stuck out to me. This is it's an updated take on the Gorio's Vengeance Asmo deck list. So the the goal here is you have the Asmo package with you know your Underworld cookbooks, Urza Sagas to help find those cookbooks, and then you have you know the Oval Chase Daredevils to help fuel the Asmos. So that's kind of like step one. And then step two is you parlay that into Gorio's Vengeance with a bunch of large creatures. So these decks have in the past have played, sometimes have played Gristlebrand. I chose to play Atraxa. I think most people who play Gristlebrand in the past have been on the uh, Agatha Soul Cauldron because that's like a, a thing you can do with Gristlebrand. But that's absent from here. Wow. So we're just playing, a, yeah, I know, right? Atraxa plus Emerald. Every- <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> everything Sacrifice. is good with culture. Yeah. Everything. Pay seven life from any of your creatures to draw seven cards. Um, but yeah, so the Atraxa Emrakul is our creatures of choice. And then the new card here that kind of sort of ties the room all together is Reenact the Crime. Now, this is a, a powerful card that a lot of people were talking about during spoiler season. I've heard various things on Twitter. And the the card reads, for those of you who don't know, it's uh, three blue and a colorless. It's an instant. And you can exile a non-land card in a graveyard that was put there from anywhere this turn copy it and you may cast the copy without paying its mana cost so works particularly well with free discard outlets hence underworld cookbooks 
So, you know, for example, if you can go cookbook, discard, say, an Emrakul to Eon's Torn, that creates the shuffle trigger. Similar to Goryeo's, you can respond to the shuffle trigger, reenact the crime, cast the Emrakul for free. So it basically, you now effectively have eight copies of Goryeo's Vengeance to go along with your eight discard outlets and eight fatties. So it just gives you a ton of redundancy on doing the thing, right? And then you have preordained thoughtsies to kind of you know, fill out the draws and, and make sure the coast is clear and all that stuff. And uh, I did end up picking a trophy with this deck. It did. It did feel pretty good when I played it. Now, granted, I will say that, you know, on average, I think in the 10 games that I won, I think I had uh, my opening hand was Goryeo's Vengeance, Emrakul, Cookbook, Two Lands, probably at least like six times. No. So <laughs> you <laughs> nice. can imagine that that's going to increase it. the win rate a little bit. Um, and unfortunately, I didn't cast a ton of Reenact the Crimes. But one thing that's really cool to point out about Reenact the Crime, it can target their graveyard too. And this happened a couple of times where uh, my opponent would like, I'm trying to think of the exact situation where um, I think they like somehow, they like discarded a, a something, maybe it was like a Fable the Mirror Breaker. I was playing against Rakdos or something and they discarded a Fable the Mirror Breaker and I had to reenact the crime with not a lot going on. And I was just like, end of turn, I'll reenact your Fable Go, go to chat, go to my turn, chapter two, discard, and then kind of go from there. So it's really, really versatile in what it can do. Now, granted, it is four mana. That's a lot. Um, but yeah, I was I was relatively impressed with how flexible the card was. Um, you just, you know, you have to pay a lot for it. It does cost four mana. So that's that's the unfortunate part. Yeah, it's four mana with three blue pips and a deck with four Urza Saga. Yes, I know. <laughs> it's, it's not ideal. It's not ideal. Um, yeah, so it, it's actually funny because after this list, cause that came up a couple of times. So what I ended up doing to kind of uh, update the version a little bit is I added one chromatic sphere, which sounds kind of weird, but the cool thing about sphere is if you have saga on chapter three, you can use the saga to make colorless mana, get, go use the saga to go get a sphere and then use the colorless you floated to turn that into blue to cast reenact the crime. So that's yeah, something that I, I did with uh, with my recent list. Um, yeah, there's and not, you got a Mox Amber in here. Is that also helping a little bit with the blue, or is that just helping with speed? Uh, it's a little bit of both. Like if you have a Rona, so the the legends in this deck are four Rona and four Asmo. So if you have a Rona, you can do that. What's cool about the Amber too is if you're going for a Traxa specifically, you can like if you're planning on going for a Traxa, you can go like Saga Chapter Three float, go get Amber, discard Atraxa, put Atraxa into play, and the Atraxa gives you the the extra mana because Atraxa is a legend too. So if you're going mm -hmm. for like an Atraxa turn, you get the, the Mox Amber mana from there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like if you, it, this deck felt very powerful when it opened Goryeo's. Like I said, it, it didn't have a ton of reenacts come up, but it came up a couple of times. It was decent. I don't know if I'd play the full four copies. I've seen some people experimenting with this list. They've been playing like um, the tutor. So I saw one list that had both Grim Tutor and Profane Tutor, which I thought was kind of strange. I was never a huge fan of Profane Tutor just because it's slow, not great against Teferi, stuff like that. But it does give you some added consistency. And um, works in Adnaz, I'll tell you. <laughs> as <laughs> someone who played against Adnaz recently can attest recently, to. Recently, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess like the the last you know thing to note about this is the the saga plan is very good. Like if people who are overloading on graveyard hate, you know, I had people who just you know would bring in like the turn one soul guide lantern, turn three endurance, and I was like, all right, I'll make some saga tokens. You know, and that's still just good enough against a lot of people. So that's yeah, all I got for awesome. this deck, really. Oh, the other thing I wanted to point out, defense grid. One thing I found out that card is insane against rhinos. 
it's it's so good because a lot of their defense is like endurance you force negation you whatever all this kind of all these free spells and it makes it so they can't like they can't go for the rhinos plus protection play they just have to hold up their pitch and the three mana to do it which buys you a ton of time mm-hmm. yeah especially if they're cutting like brazen borrowers yeah not carbon nice. nice that's all i really got for this deck though although, just, uh, although that makes the end step petty theft harder because that makes <laughs> petty theft cost five yeah they have to it? like do it on yes, the exactly turn. It, it, it was cast against me, and it was a huge problem. Defense grid? Defense grid is, is, is yeah, that's hot. It's good. It's always sneaking around the sideboard outskirts, I feel like. Okay, before we wrap, can I ask you guys one quick question about a different format? Mm-hmm. Sure. Strictly for timeliness reasons. This weekend, two days after this episode comes out, is the first NRG Open of the year here in Chicago. Ooh. I'll be commentating. Already. Ooh, oh, nice, Devin commentating Devin on the ones and twos be nice to stand if he's on camera okay oh well I don't don't know if I Devin you've commentated me you were very nice we didn't even know each other then but you felt that now that I know you (laughs) (laughs) now that you know what my full art shock lands are so the Saturday 10k is pioneer the Sunday 5k is standard I've I've gotten um approval from mission control to play on Saturday and you know i've been a little out of touch with with constructed formats uh over the last month or so what do you guys think is the plan pioneer right now you're not is gonna still you're, Phoenix? you're you're not gonna like the answer because i feel like oh, i don't know i don't blue know white if control would, aren't you yeah i'm gonna say blue white control look as like coming Oof. from me you have to know it's the best deck because i would never tell anybody in my in their right mm. mind to play blue white control but if it's coming from this individual right here you have to know it's the best deck oh boy is it because no more lies was printed yes Nana Lake is a good and card has that yeah has that changed the phoenix matchup mm, i mean the phoenix matchup was always kind of close depends on how many rest in pieces you have but yeah, the exiling like the exiling specifically against Phoenix doesn't come up a ton, but just you know you can you can tool your sideboard to be good against Phoenix. I think. What about in Soul? What about I actually Mac- McNamara's in Soul deck? You know, it's pretty funny you mentioned that. I, we didn't. This is totally off the cuff. I did. We didn't write this any of this down. But I played in Soul on stream today, and I, I picked up a four one. Um, the list felt pretty good. That new card, the Gleaming Gear Drake. That card is sick. Yeah, that card's nice. Is it? It's what's up. Yeah. So I mean, you can play in Soul. I don't hate the deck. The list that I played was pretty nice. Okay. Dave, you feel like going to, I think it's an Elmhurst. Um, I feel like maybe swinging by to say, Hey, yeah, <laughs> if you're going to be there, yeah, uh, Elmhurst I'm, is not, it's pretty close to me. So I don't know if I'll play the Saturday open to be honest, but there is a like Saturday, they call them re-CQs. Mm-hmm. Right. Reese's? Yeah. Are they, I it's think just the second RCQs? chance ones. Yeah. But there's a Pioneer Re-CQ on Saturday. Yeah, those are the single limb ones, I think, where it's like five rounds, it's single five limb. Rounds, the yeah. person who's left over uh, gets, a, gets, an RC, gets an RC invite. Uh, interesting. Yeah, it, it's 20 bucks to play, and that's the one that kind of piqued my interest versus the full-day commitment for 70 bucks. Yeah. Yeah, well, let me know if you do. I could probably stop by on Saturday at some point. Say, right, so, get a... So, Blue white control. That's that's the deck to beat in Pioneer. What a time to be alive! I need some stalactite stalkers. Oh, well, you gotta pick those got up because that's what I'm getting ready. <laughs> that's where that's where my mind's at for uh, for whatever we'll be doing in Chicago. All right, wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. I've really loved hearing you guys wrap the episodes. I I, I prefer that you do it today instead of me. <laughs> okay. Well, that wraps up this week's show. If you have not yet 
Stanislav, it's good to have you back, by the way. Oh, it's good to be back. I missed you all. If you have, if you have not subscribed to the podcast, feel free to do so. You get those latest episodes as soon as they come out. If you want to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, we appreciate that. Feel free to engage on Spotify. You want to submit a question to us or reach out to us, tweet us at the dive down or email the dive down at gmail.com. If you want to support the show, feel free to join the Patreon at patreon.com slash the dive down. Check out the store at the dive down.com slash store. If you're going to be in Chicago, you want to hang out with us, go to the dive down.com slash Chicago? Yeah, divedown.com, thedivedown.com slash Chicago, Chicago right. to RSVP. We got two RSVPs already because I posted it in Discord oh, during the there show. You, go. Uh, you can also head on over to heavyplay.com. Get those deck dice boxes, play mats, purple now with the Equipmag system. Use code thedivedown2024 for 10% off your first order. Shout out to Mana Traders for sponsoring the Dive Down. You can get 10% off of your first two months with the code in the show notes. It's also the Dive Down underscore 3YO. Uh, save money on paper cards at Nerd Rage. We're going to have Stan at the Nerd Rage events. Use code DIVE8. 8% off your order. As always, special thanks to the bands Nowhere and Space Blood for letting us use their music. And until next week, get out there and turn zero ley lines.